this current climate, we're not only grateful for that opportunity, but we thank Allah profusely for enabling us with it, and we pray that He will continue to uh, facilitate these kinds of opportunities for us in the future, inshaAllah ta'ala. We're in a unique position where there are many of our Muslim brothers and sisters across the world who, for some reason or another, are unable to partake in this uh, magnificent blessing which is to come together for one sole purpose and that purpose is ultimately to reach proximity to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his beloved Prophet sallallahu uh, Last week I spoke about the importance of shukr, the importance of thankfulness, gratefulness how important it is for us to show our gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, there's one hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which were in which the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, informs us that he who does not man lam lam he who does not thank the people does not thank Allah I who he who is not thankful to those around him thankful to your parents thankful to your loved ones thankful for all the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided to them Allah subhanahu wa then he is not thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is not going to raise his hands and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessings that have bestowed upon him if he is not thankful for the blessings that he has bestowed upon his loved ones. So it's imperative that we uh, first and foremost understand that and then apply that beautiful quality of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam in the lives. It, it is a prophetic quality. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was once, and this was his uh, his, it was part of his nature, it was his norm, it was his practice, his way of life. That he, sallallahu alayhi wa would spend uh, the entirety of the night in prayer. Until his feet would begin to swell, as would be the case. If you were standing in one position for six or seven hours, your feet too would begin to swell. And the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa his feet, sallallahu alayhi wa would begin to swell. And his wife, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, out of her love and her care and her compassion for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa she would say to him, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you stretch yourself to these limits when, uh, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven for you your past and future sins. As in, you don't commit sin in order for you to be thank, in order for you to be asking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're constantly in a state where you're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't need to do this to yourself. And she was saying this out of her love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Like a, 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 a spouse, or I should say a mother. Right? Spouses nowadays push their husbands and their wives to, to, do as, to stretch themselves as much as they can. But a mother would say to her child, you know, seeing her child so working continuously, and saying, son, why are you doing this to yourself? Allah has given you so much. Right? Be grateful for what you have. Say the Aisha out of her love and her care. She wasn't saying to the Prophet, don't worship Allah. No. She was saying, you worship Allah more than anybody else. You're closer to Allah than anybody else. And we, we've got a duty to stand up at night. And ask Allah for forgiveness for the sins that we commit. And they were the Sahaba. And look at us. We have even more of a reason, do we not? 
to, to worship Allah, to ask Allah in the middle of the night, when Allah's mercy is showering upon us, oh Allah, forgive us. Oh Allah, enter us into Jannah. Oh Allah, make us the best versions of ourselves in this world. So she's saying that to the Prophet sallallahu There's no need for you when you have nothing to seek forgiveness for. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam smiled. His smile, his 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 beautiful smile that was enough to melt the hearts of the people. And he said, "Afala akuna abdan shukura." That if that's the case, that Allah has forgiven for me my sins and I don't commit sin, then should I not be a thankful servant to Allah subhanahu wa taala? Should I not thank Him for these blessings? So this is why forgiveness and shukr go hand in hand. Right? When you seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's imperative that it be followed up with shukr, with thankfulness. Now thank you Allah for accepting my forgiveness. Because we in our heart have to wholeheartedly believe that once you seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness, once your forgiveness is sincere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely forgive us for our sins. He will surely forgive us. And he said that, he tells us that in numerous places in the Qur'an, numerous verses of the Qur'an, that if you observe true uh, forgiveness, if you seek forgiveness truly and sincerely, that tawbah and nusuha, which is mentioned in the Qur'an, that proper, sincere forgiveness, then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven you. Because it's the trick of the shaitan. And I was talking to some brothers who were here last week. It's the trick of the shaitan. First, the shaitan, he tries to draw you away from Allah. And he has his devious ways. And, and believe you me, as, as smart as we think we are, shaitan is considerably smarter. You know, as they would say, you know, someone who gets older and gets wiser with age knows more than those who are younger. Because they've got more tajriba. They've got more life experience. Right? The shaitan has got millennia of life experience. Millennia of misguiding people such a long amount of time and he's got devious ways if one way doesn't work he knows another way that won't if that way won't work he knows another way that will right so he's constantly trying to draw you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's his sole purpose in life so if as long as he's drawing you away from Allah and towards sin towards decadence he's willing but the second that you seek forgiveness from Allah the second that you show regret, and, and you know regret, the Prophet said, "Anadamu tawba." That regret, showing regret, feeling regret, is the first sign or the first step towards seeking forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. In this hadith, the Prophet said, "Regret is forgiveness. It is seeking forgiveness from Allah because that's part of our nature. That when we sin, as human beings, we have feelings, we have emotions. We should automatically." Uh, regret and feel inclined to turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and towards his repentance. So when you do that, he realizes, okay, you know what? That tactic didn't work. He sought forgiveness now, right? And when he seeks forgiveness, shaitan, better than us, understands how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. He knows how hard he has to try. So he knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven us now that we have sought his forgiveness. So what does he do? He puts it in your mind. Look at you. Working on your spirit. Look at you. Look how many sins you've committed. Look how many times you've disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his commands. How many prayers you have missed. Look at you. Look at what you've achieved in your life. Nothing but causing pain and misery to others. 
causing pain and misery to your loved ones. Look at you. Do you really believe that someone like you, somebody as worthless as you, is deserving of, of Almighty Allah's forgiveness? Never. So he puts that thought into your mind. That's why when people who have genuinely repented and genuinely felt that they will turn back to Allah, nine times out of ten, if you, nine times out of ten, if you ask them what their next step is, they don't know what step to take. They don't know what direction to go after they've sought forgiveness. Because shaitan makes them feel like their forgiveness wasn't accepted. And they think to themselves, well, you know what? Where do I start with my forgiveness? I have so much to repent for. So they go back to their old ways slowly but shortly. And that's the trick of the shaitan. If one way doesn't work, he has another devious plan in mind to draw you away from the path of Allah and towards his path, the path of shaitan. And it's imperative, therefore, that's why the Prophet ﷺ informed us so clearly and explicitly that once you seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, know, know that your forgiveness, your repentance is accepted. You have to believe that in your heart. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inna Allah, like the Quran, Allah says in the Quran, inna Allah yaghfiru dhunuba jami'ah. That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive all of your sins. All it takes for us is to raise our hands in prayer, to show regret in our heart, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness, and to then strive to follow in the footsteps of the Prophet sallallahu and his noble companions by never going near that sin again. That's why it's incredibly important for us to understand that when we seek forgiveness. Because like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, last week we spoke about sabr and shukr, right? They go hand in hand. You have sabr when, when things are going tough, and then when things are going well, you observe shukr. You thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is why the Prophet said, it's a win-win situation for the believer. If things are going tough for you, if, you know, I, you're going to only experience two of the, one of these two things. Either things are going to be going well, or things are not going to be going so well. When things are, going, when things are not going so well, that's when you have sabr. That Allah has put me in this situation. He understands my situation better than I do. He knows what's best for me right now. Perhaps this is the best thing for me. He will take me out of this. I'm going to have sabr. Sabr means that you don't just sit at home and wallow away in yourself. Oh, I've got a sabr. So I'm just going to wallow in my sins, wallow in my sorrows, sit at home and do nothing. That's not sabr. Sabr means continuing to do your jihad which means continuing to struggle and strive in order to achieve success. Sabr means that despite the, 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 the troubles that you're going through, despite the calamities that you may face, that you continue to strive. You know what? I'm still going to read my namaz five times a day. I'm still going to open up the Quran and recite. I'm still going to try and do those things that will, achieve, that will get me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa That's sabr. We have a distorted view of sabr nowadays. Nowadays, if we don't complain, that means we're showing sabr. Oh, I'm not complaining. You know, uh, how are you, brother? You know, I've got no complaints. I've got no complaints. I'm okay. The mere fact that you're not complaining does not mean that you have sabr. True sabr emanates from deep within. True sabr is when you're suffering, when your heart is suffering, when your spirit is suffering, but yet you don't let that overcome you. You don't let that suffering that you're facing exhibit into you not performing 
your deeds. You're not excelling in your life. You don't allow it to take control over you. That's true sabr. In exactly the same way, on the other hand, the Prophet wasallam said, when, you, when things are going well for you, right? It's a perfect situation for a believer. You show shukr. You show gratitude. You're thankful for the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for you. And again, that thankfulness does not mean saying, thank you, O Allah. Alhamdulillah. That's enough. No, it's something that has to emanate from deep within. You know, when someone asks you, how are you doing? The vast, majorities, the vast majority of Muslims, what do we say? What do we say? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Do we truly understand what that means when we say Alhamdulillah? I'll give you a comparison between our Alhamdulillah and the Alhamdulillah of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. There were companions of the Prophet Alaihi Salatu Wasallam. There was a woman who in the battle of Uhud, she lost her husband, who was her pillar of support. She loses her husband. And when she's informed that your husband has attained martyrdom, your husband has lost his life in the service of Allah and his Prophet She says, Alhamdulillah. When she's informed a short while later, your father, your father, he's also lost his life on the battlefield. She says, Alhamdulillah. Then she's informed that her son, you know, her, her, a part of her body, he's lost his life. She says, Alhamdulillah. Tell me about the Prophet Her concern was for the Prophet Alhamdulillah for her meant that I truly believe, believe with every fiber of my being that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, what was his will has taken place. That's what Alhamdulillah for her meant. That I firmly believe with every fiber of my being that what the Prophet Sallallahu what Allah Azza wa wanted from me, that's exactly what has happened. And I am content with the divine decree of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That was her Alhamdulillah. Nowadays, when someone asks us, how are we doing? We say, Alhamdulillah, it's okay. You know, got a few problems, this and... Our Alhamdulillah is just something that comes off the tongue. It's not something that we have, you know, tasdeeq bil qalb. We don't affirm it with our hearts. That Alhamdulillah, that in, in, in the deepest depths of our heart, we're thankful. We're grateful. No matter what is going on within, in my life, I am thankful for every single blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for me. That's the Alhamdulillah that we need to be striving for. That's the Alhamdulillah that we need to bring into our lexicon. Something that is not just mere speech, but is demonstrated within our actions. That Alhamdulillah, which we know that now, Alhamdulillah, I'm well. I, I'm content with the divine decree of Allah. I'm going to continue to strive in His path. I'm going to continue to read my salah, to uh, achieve nearness and closeness and pro in terms of proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to continue to help others who perhaps are in a more di difficult position than I'm in. That's the Alhamdulillah that we need to be striving for. Um, it's, it's imperative that we understand that type of shukr, um, which 
which is something that has to emanate from deep within. We have to understand that each and every one of us is going to go through periods within our lives where we're suffering, some more so than others. And each and every one of us is going to have periods within their life when they have a lot to be thankful for. And it's imperative that they show that shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just by, you know, the companions of the Prophet sallallahu when something would go right for them. You know, when, when they were blessed with something, they would automatically drop into sajda, right? And they would uh, uh, observe shukr. They would say, thank you, O Allah. And we as Muslims, some of us, we do that as well when Allah has blessed us with something. I remember watching a cricket match and one of the, um, uh, you know, our my, my team is Pakistan in cricket. And, and, and one of them scored a century and he went, into, he went down into sajda. And the commentator was saying, oh, you look, he's, he's thankful, he's kissing the ground. And we think as Muslims, we knew that he was observing sajjat al-shukr. He's thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this uh, blessing that Allah has bestowed upon him. But that, that's, not some, that's not where it ends. Observing sajjat al-shukr is not where it ends. It has to continue from then on. You see, when we're suffering, and I'm going to uh, leave it at this, when we're suffering, the most difficult thing for us to do is to concentrate on our prayers. The most difficult thing for us to do is... Is, is, to, uh, uh, is to continue on this path of trying to seek proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's an incredibly difficult thing for us to do. But yet we still strive to do it. And that's where true sabr comes from. In exactly the same way. And, and when, we're, when we're suffering, we're constantly asking Allah, aren't we? When you've got an exam coming up, if you're in university, or if you've got a problem in your life, you're always asking, oh Allah, please take me out of this you know, this position, this situation I'm in, and I will forever be thankful to you. Oh Allah, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I'll read my salah, I'll, I'll give in charity, I'll do this and I'll do that. You're constantly making promises. But as soon as Allah provides you with that, if you're a student and Allah, you know, uh, gives you success in your exams, or you ask for, for this, or you ask for that, and Allah provides it to you, as soon as He does, that's it. We forget. We think it was all us. We think it was everything is our own struggles, you know, and we were the ones who, who deserve all of the credit for our success and we give no credit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that we have, everything that we are, we have to uh, observe thanks and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His divine forgiveness. Seek help through patience and through prayer. Uh, we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the noble teachings of the Quran, the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.